Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Steve Woodrow. Hey, before we get in, just want to open up something. Anybody here, I talked to several people this week, just just to get us in this morning. Anybody um, want to share just a, a little testimony from this last week? about just the encouragement of this idea that we looked at in chapter 4 of Revelation, God's on his throne. And uh, did that encourage, just if anybody has something for us, just come up to the mic if you want to kick us off. And just something, how that this week just helped calm us, re, reset us, right, um, with everything going on in life. That Just that remembering, he's on his throne. He's got all this, right, in his hands. Anybody this morning have something to share? Just want to open that up? Yeah, come on, right, right up to that mic there. Yeah, I just got back from uh, being halfway around the world. I was in Kathmandu. And um, my wife Colleen and I live there. And um, just within the last two weeks, um, we've had the opportunity for some open doors to plant a church amongst the Rohingya refugees in Kathmandu. And, um, you know, just thinking of the fact that one day, one day, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus mm-hmm. is Lord. And, and what a privilege it is for us to be involved in a church plant uh, among people who've been persecuted in Myanmar. Uh, they're Muslims. Um, that's our main focus of our ministry is amongst Muslims. But I just want to praise God for opening that up and the fact that uh, the nations are going to one day um, uh, bow the knee and confess that Jesus is Lord. And and we get to be part of witnessing that right now. Mm. So praise God. Thank you very much. Rick, pray for us here. That's perfect. That's where we're headed in Romans 5. So will you just pray pray for us as we get into the Word this morning? Okay, sure. Um, Mm. Father, we thank you so much for the work that you do in our lives. We thank you for the way you're able to use each and every one of us, whether it's here in the Roaring Fork Valley or halfway around the world, Lord, um, that we would be strengthened and given wisdom and boldness and courage as we proclaim uh, your kingdom to those around us. And uh, we just pray for your anointing on Steve right now, Lord, that you open our hearts, that your word from Romans would just sink deep into our minds and our hearts, and that we would be touched and our lives would be changed in, in, in many ways this morning as we hear your word. Yes. In Jesus' name, yeah. amen. Amen. Thanks, Rick. Wonderful. Awesome. Well, we are in uh, the book of Revelation, um, and we're moving through. We're in chapter 5. We move really into the guts of Revelation this morning. If you have your Bibles, just encourage you to bring your paper Bible. Um, there's something powerful about paper. La- less distraction, able to focus um, if you can, but we're in um, Revelation 5 this morning. Um, let me just get us started. Man, what riles you up? I know that's kind of maybe a strange question for church. And maybe I shouldn't even ask that question since there's plenty riling us up right now. we got this kind of problem of a, little, a lot of anger. And uh, actually, why? you're here. So uh, how we, we're close, aren't we? Ten days. Ten days. All right. Wow, just shocked to see you guys. That's awesome. Okay, we're excited to hear the good news. Wonderful. Um, so, um, what riles you up? We'll get you all. Yeah. 
I think we all could agree injustice, right? Right, injustice. When something's not right, when there's evil, when there's, we just know fundamentally this, is, this, is, this needs to be made right. And obviously we've had a season, right, of, of just all the injustices and the anger and the, the oh, you know, um, and this, this, this clashing of, of uh, kind of warring over injustice, right? So I, I think we all get that, um, but let me ask you another question. Why do we shy away from judgment? As a culture and a people. Why, why do we shy away from the idea of judgment? And do we understand that you can't have justice without judgment? I want this to sink in. This is absolutely critical in this day and age for us to understand. And it's essential as we get into the book of Revelation. You can't have justice without judgment. Um, and we are a culture, folks. We're, we are... We're running from that. We want justice so much, but we shy away from any reality of to get justice, you have to have judgment. Does that make sense? Right? Um, Revelation, it's a tough book. And there's one main reason why people stay away from the book of Revelation. Because it's a book of judgment. And um, we want... And focus on the first coming of Jesus. Because we want that grace, forgiveness, right? Uh, that thing. The blessings there. But we shy away from the end book. This is about his second coming to make all things right. And he comes in judgment. And this is difficult because if we realize, if we think that, and especially in our culture today, that we justice, justice, but we remove judgment from it, we, there is no good news. Without justice, and therefore without judgment, there is no good news. And there's only one ultimate answer to, the ultimate, to justice issues in the world, and uh, beginning with our heart and the rest of the world, and that's Jesus and the good news who will come and make all things right. His first coming, he came to offer the gospel. He came, and uh, folks, we'll come back to this, but I, I just want to throw it out to kind of get our hearts awakened this morning, is that do you realize what Jesus did on the cross in his resurrection for you and for the world, every tongue, tribe, and nation? It's a love story. It is God's pleading in a fallen world where there is evil, Right, And there is wills going away from God and people trying to live without God and, and everything else going on that God comes and sends His Son on a, on a love rescue mission for us. And on that cross, He took your judgment. He took my judgment. He took what I was due for sin and for my rebellion against God and the world and, and, and he, His blood covered all that. And the amazing good news is to receive by faith. Again, not religion, not I can't work my way out of it, right? I, I receive this incredible gift. Nothing sets a person free like knowing you're right with God. You're right with Him. Not based on all your spiritual good things, but you have, and this is where the peace of, this is the only way the peace of God can enter your soul and my soul is if I know I'm right with Him and how can I be right with Him? Justice has to take place. And with justice, judgment. And Jesus took that for you, for me. 
And for the world, every tongue, tribe, and nation. And this is the mission of the church today is to offer this amazing news to be set free from judgment. To be set free. To be in the courtroom of God and, and to be able to be there knowing I'm right with Him. That I have an advocate before God in His throne room. Um, and so, for justice, there has to be judgment. That's just a fact of life. But here's another thing I want you to hold on to and think about is what's happening today, um, especially in the church in America, is we want Jesus without judgment. I want that to sink in. We want Jesus without judgment. And you can't. That's a false gospel. We want Jesus, the first coming, we want his grace, we want his forgiveness, but we don't want Jesus, the second coming. We don't want revelation where he comes to make all things right and brings judgment. Right? Does that make sense, gang? Right? See how that's permeated our culture more than we ever, ever realized? And into the church is this idea of Jesus without judgment. And think about it. Why? Just think about our language. Everybody, we're so, we're so touchy. Y'all walk on eggshells anytime the discussion of judgment comes up. We're like, oh, I'm not judging. Well, I'm not judging. Right? It, we, we go out of our way in our culture today to not talk about judgment. And again, as I said, you can't talk, talk about justice unless you talk about judgment. This whole right, uh, justice movement that we're in right now, nobody's talking about well, who's going to bring justice. Who ultimately is going to bring justice to this world? And when I think about my own life, is who's going who's to bring justification to me? And that is the good news. Without, without justice and, and, and judgment, there is no good news. And Jesus without judgment is Jesus without justice. And it denies what he did at the cross and what he will do right in the future here um, in, in, uh, as, as the book of Revelation lays out for us. This is the primary reason why this is a tough book. There's no question, right? And, and, and we have to sink in here because it's, what, it, nothing like this book makes me wrestle with this big, deep, deep question, am I right with God? Am I right with Him? And folks, here's just a little history. Throughout Old Testament, New Testament, all of history, there's never been a revival. There's never been a, 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 a renewal, right, that has ever been sparked where it wasn't uh, at the beginning of it, this idea of repentance, this idea of, of people's hearts being broken and, and wanting to be right with God, wanting to know I'm right with Him and, and wanting to, to lay hold of His forgiveness and His covering over this idea of judgment. How can I be right with God and, and how can I be, live absolutely free before God knowing that, his, that, that I'm covered? And it's the only way that I can embrace the book of Revelation, embrace the coming of Jesus to make all things right and new again is if I'm at peace with knowing I'm right with him. And so I plead with everybody watching online, anybody here right, who's, who's in this zone of, of actually thinking that, you know, that somehow you're going to be able to justify yourself before God. Now, we all play games like that, but I, I speak to the, the seeker or even the skeptic is, do we really think that we're willing to, to 
to stand one day before God and, and in the courtroom, and folks, we come to the throne room of God. A throne room is a courtroom, and this is the whole context of chapter 5 of, of Revelation. It is stepping into the very throne room. We were there last week in chapter 4 of God, His presence on the throne. It is a courtroom scenario of righteousness. And how do you stand in the midst of righteousness free? And it's only Jesus. It's only Jesus in that, in that scenario. And so I plead with, with you this morning. Are we willing to walk through life thinking that I'm going to just continue to argue with God? I'm going to continue to complain against God what he's done and what I don't agree with how he's handled things in this world or what he's done or not done for me. And as somehow that when I do stand before him that I'm going to be able to somehow right, argue my way into something with God. Um, that's, that, I, I just say, rethink that. It did not go well for Job. In the Old Testament, and Job was a righteous man. He was a righteous man who thought somehow he could just stand in the courtroom of God and justify himself and, and explain to God somehow. When God has poured out his, given his son to take my jet, to cover for me. Even Job says, I know my Redeemer lives. I know that God will cover me by His grace. I have to lean in right to that. But that takes a humbling, doesn't it? Does this make sense, guys? I know this is tough stuff, but we've but we got to lay hold of this. And, and, and I know that something's churning inside you. You can't have Jesus without judgment. It's nowhere in the Scripture. I could go passage after passage. But that is the Jesus that is promoted today. More and more. Right? Because we want and we need a just God. He can't be sovereign. He can't be just unless he's a God of judgment to make things right. And the amazing good, and we can't have good news unless we know, right, that justice is going to, uh, things are going to be made right. That God's going to bring justice. And Jesus has started that process and that's the glory of the gospel. That's the good news for anyone in the world who reaches up to God. Says, Lord, I want to have the assurance I'm right with you, God. And, and setting aside all religion, setting aside all that my works, somehow I can work my way, or, or I kind of convinced, you know, uh, God that I'm, I'm good enough, God. Not, nothing, right? We cannot boast, right? Scripture is clear. No one can boast before God. We'll stand in the courtroom with Him. And either we're going to defend ourselves before God, or we're going to have an advocate in Jesus who stands in front of us and robes us with His righteousness. I'll take that. Bring it, huh? Me too. And folks, I, I, just, I just give you that because you, and I know today, anytime judgment comes up, we think, oh, that's not good news. It's glorious news. If you know the advocate. If you know the Savior. And, and just this vision here of chapter 4 and 5 is, is the, the, around the throne room of God and, and this is the picture of Christ and, and, and oh, passage after passage, we'll be before him one day. Um, and again, I, I think just, just put ourselves into that place. Am I living my life in the presence of God and the reality? Oh God, I just kind of arguing with him. Why'd you do that God? You didn't do this God. And, and, and just taking a little piece of his word, not submitting to his word, but just kind of taking what I want, what I don't want. 
Or is there a sense every day? Last week we talked about just the overwhelming idea. God's on his throne. Think, God, he's, he's sovereign. He's got it in his hands. I can trust in him. I need to reset myself every day in that, right? But we're going deeper this morning. Now I'm, you, we're in the courtroom. The Savior's in the courtroom. And he's come, as we're going to see, and he shed his blood for you, for me, so that I can stand in the courtroom and be free. Be free. And to know that before the perfect, glorious God of the universe, that I can be there, I'm welcome there. He desires me there. Because, and only because, I've received the advocate to come and to take my place and advocate, mediate between me and God. And that's Jesus' role as mediator, savior. Folks, that, there is no better news in all of the world. But let me tell you, it is not good news. It is a cheap gospel, a cheap grace, if it does not come with the rest of the story of his judgment. If someone just received Jesus and his forgiveness, but knows nothing about judgment and, and being right before God and what that's all about, that's not salvation. That's a very therapeutic Jesus. You'll find him nowhere in the scripture. And you'll find that's why people will stay away from big chunks of scripture. And they'll, 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 th- they'll feel threatened. The discussion of, of judgment should never threaten me if I know him. And when I know him and I'm set free, something changes. And we'll get to this later, but the, the, what I know, how I know I'm free is something changes inside my heart. Is that I'm outside of condemnation and all those things. And, and what happens is I just want to please him. And I ask you that watching online again here this morning. The biggest tell of your soul is who do you want to please? Who do you want to please? The greatest assurance any of us can have of our salvation and to know that we're right with God is when we rise in the morning and throughout the day and when the pressure of the culture comes on to, to, uh, to you know, move away from what this word says, the greatest thing we can tell is, man, I just want to please him. I want to submit to what he says because he set me free. I I don't stand under judgment. I'll take whatever the world throws my way. Is what my Savior did for me, I will stand. I'm with Him. Right? And uh, folks, I I fear that that we are not um, adequately leading people to that gospel. And folks, if somebody's struggling with freedom... um, I think what we've seen in our culture, it's like, oh, we need to, to deal more. They need to understand grace more. Do you understand you can't understand grace unless you understand judgment? Do you understand that? Grace is meaningless. Watered down in our culture unless I understand the free grace that God's given me. What Jesus has done for me. The judgment he took upon himself, the wrath of God upon him for me. So I can stand with God radically free right uh, so I, I, we've got to let this this sink in folks revelation let me just give it this, this is the only book in the whole bible that comes with a radical promise to those who keep it hold on to it it's the only one that comes with a radical blessing upon it and isn't it interesting it's the one book most people shy away from it's the one book that says oh we shouldn't preach that book on, on a Sunday morning it's too whoa it's too out there 
absolutely against what the very thing says. Right, a promise. And it's because, again, is, is this issue of, of judgment and, and the final justice of the world and, and Jesus' role in all that, right? So, Revelation chapter 5. Listen to the Word of God. And then John saw in the right hand of him, the Father, who was seated on the throne, a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to even look into it. And I began to weep, John says, loudly, because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of, Je- of David, has conquered. He's had victory. So that he can open the scroll in its seven seals. Now, why was John weeping? Why was it such a big deal that God has a scroll? What is the scroll and the seven seals? And why was he weeping and so just messed up with the idea that no one could take and open that scroll? The scroll is, there's many ideas, could be the book of life, could, but what we can absolutely say is the scroll represents, right, the entire deed of the earth and heaven and the purposes of God are uniting everything in heaven and everything on earth together to make all things new again. And the reason why John was so weeping was because he was living under Jesus' command to seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things will, be, will fit in place. And he was seeking the kingdom of God and longing right, for God to make things right, God. Come and complete your work here, God, right, is, is what gripped him. And um, now we, we come to the good news here. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns, ultimate authority, and with seven eyes, um, which are the seven spirits of God, the power of God, sent out into all the earth. And he went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him. He was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Folks, your prayers go up and they remain in the presence of the throne of God. What God is looking for is faithfulness. And prayers that line up with his will and his purposes, right? And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll, to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tongue and tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on earth. Jesus is worthy to go. And come take the scroll and complete the work on earth. Ephesians 1 says his, his grand purpose, God's purpose is to unite heaven and earth again together. Because God wants to dwell with us. And it says Jesus is worthy. Because he was sent to this world and he died to redeem. In other words, he came to bring and to take on judgment, right? So that we, his children, right, could be ransomed, right? From the darkness, from this world, from blindness, spiritual blindness. And be brought into the family of God, freely. 
And so now he's worthy to take the next step, which is to bring ultimate justice right to the world. And this is the seven seals. As we start to open them up, we're going to see where it all in, where it goes, uh, where this is how God is going to come about bringing um, justice right to this world. And the question for us. And what should motivate us to be lights and to bring the good news to other people is the great need. There's no greater need in all the world to know we're right with God. No greater question we should deal with. No greater question we should to process with our children or anybody else. How are we right with God? Right? How, how is justice? How are things made right? And is it even possible right now to know that you're right with God? That's the glory of the gospel and the good news is you can know right now. That's the abundant life Jesus has for us to live in that. Outside of condemnation. Under his awesome grace. Empowered by the Holy Spirit. And then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders and the voice of many angels. Listen to this. Numbering myriads of myriads. Thousands upon thousands. Right? It's just this vast array of heaven and we see it in Hebrews 12 too of the angels and all the host of heaven worshiping God and folks just a little side note that's what church is about church ultimately is about God at the center us coming in and lifting up praise to the one who deserves all praise and to encourage and push each other on right to lift praise unto him Right? The most transforming thing for, for people to experience is that. God's people together worshiping with their eyes set on God. Off of the world, off of our problems, to rejoice in the one who is sovereign and is going to make all things right and new. Knowing in that context all things are possible with God. Right? Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature, so this is back to what Rick already talked about. And I heard every creature in heaven, on earth, under the earth, in the sea, and uh, all that is in them, saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and they worshipped God. There is only one response in the presence of God. There is no arguing. There is no whining. There is no laying the blame on anybody else. It's worship. That's it. And this goes along with Philippians 2, which says one day, everybody is going to have to acknowledge His glory. The question is, are you covered? The question is, are we covered? By the blood of the Lamb. And living under that glorious freedom, right? So just a couple things here before we uh, move into some ministry time is, folks, I just want to drive it home is judgment is only bad news if you don't know the advocate. If you don't know the Savior. Because what are you going to do with judgment? What are you going to do with your life and with the life of the, this world to bring about ultimate justice? There's only one. There's only one who brings good news and who offers that, right, um, to us and to the world. So here's just very interesting. This week in the Wall Street Journal, I think it was on Tuesday, whenever November 2nd was, and uh, it was an a, a, a interesting article that ties right into this. So let me just read parts of this for us. Sometimes the worst thing you can say to a person who feels bad is cheer up. Always look on the bright side of life. 
you know, pushing away difficult emotions such as sadness or fear. And forcing ourselves or others to be positive can be harmful to our mental well-being and our relationships, psychologists say. This is because practicing false cheerfulness, which they call toxic positivity, it seems like everything's toxic, right? Yeah, toxic, they, anyway, there's whole nother issue. Which they call toxic positivity keeps us from addressing our feelings, the, the feelings of others. Uh, I would add, that's where psychology ends, that's where the gospel picks up, right? God, psychology ends with feelings, the gospel picks up with something deeper than my feelings, and the only thing that can transform my feelings is faith. All right? So, um, yes, cultivating a positive mindset is a powerful coping mechanism, especially in tough times. But positivity needs to be rooted in reality for it to be healthy and helpful. Wow. Even from some secular psychologists. That's brilliant. And that's exactly what we're just seeing here, right? Is positivity, right? In other words, and so let's just take that from a general statement to a Christian perspective, right? Is that my positivity has to be rooted in reality. My faith, my joy has to be rooted in reality. And that reality means that I need to be able to be real with my feelings and my fears or my concerns or these other things. And the only ultimate way to get to where I can truly live in joy and everything is right if, if I'm dealing with my feelings with faith. And unless I get the judgment issue taken care of. Um, so, how does this roll into the church for us today? Um, I just ask you to really think deeply about this statement in the Word of God. Our positivity has to be rooted in the ultimate reality of Jesus' first coming and his second coming. Not just the first, but his second coming as well. In his grace and his forgiveness and in his judgment and his justice. You can't have one part of this Jesus and not the other. The gospel has all, is all in one, his first and his second coming. And again, as I said before, we want Jesus without judgment today. You hear it all the time. We want this easy, positive, oh, Jesus, Jesus, without dealing with the fullness of it, of what Jesus really did for us in the courtroom, in the throne room of God. Right? Does this make sense, gang? And, 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 And yes, we're to wrestle with it. This is not easy. And it's not until I wrestle with it and, and really wrestle with this question of, am I right with God? Have I really wrestled in the courtroom of God when I stand there before him? Do I really have the confidence that he covers me? I know him. He's my savior. I've invited him in. I'm desperate. I'm, uh, and and, and I, am I, have I been willing to lay down my arguments, lay down my, my, my complaints against God, my wounds against God? Don't take those. You will be, you will be locked off, right, to God's favor in your life if you do the argument against God. There's no abundance in that. As we see here, there's only one thing to do is worship Him. It's to lay down my, my feelings, to lay down my concerns. And I might not understand some of those, but Lord, I need you to come fill me. The most healing experience any of us can have in salvation is to understand that courtroom, throne room experience where I know, man, I'm a child of God. Putting aside all my issues that I'm dealing with in my life, past, present, whatever, 
to know that I'm, I'm in his presence. And I'm free. There's no condemnation. He's covered me. His blood has covered me. And I can live in that, right? I can live in that place. I'm right with him. And he's a glorious God. And judgment was taken and, and, and he took it from me. He took it from me. Unless I'm willing to deal with my sin, my rebellion against God, there is no salvation. And we try this gospel today, everywhere, that somehow that I can have Jesus and not really deal with the sin problem. It's not an option. There's no freedom in that. That's called religiosity. That's called you know, playing games with God and those things will hang us up. And folks, not one of us is able to stand in front of that courtroom and have an argument with God. Not one of us is able to stand there and go, but Lord, look how, how good I am. Job tried it. Didn't go well. Just read that book. And he was more righteous than any of us. Probably any human being that lived. We need a savior. We need a redeemer. And the reality of what he's done for us, folks, it is so mind-blowing. That's where the freedom is at. That's where the freedom is at. And so when people talk about, oh, well, don't be judgmental or whatever, is we've got to drill in on that. Right? We've got to drill. Now, there is a negative, right, judgmental thing for sure, right? Is, um, boy, that, uh, there's nothing more ugly when somebody's judging someone. And let me tell you, judgment, being judging someone disappears when I understand humbly that I put myself in the courtroom. Wow, look what God's done for me. So now let me, brother or sister, let me step into your life and let me just plead with you. Come with me into the courtroom. Whatever issue you're dealing with, whatever you know, sin, whatever problem it is, is hey, how about let's let's go to I want to introduce you to an advocate. Can you imagine showing up at court and and, and someone, Jesus, goes with you into that place and covers you? Man, that's salvation. That's salvation. And, and, and God's heart, folks, as we can see, he sent his only son. That's how desperately he wants you in his throne room with him, in the midst of all of this glory going on. He values you more than all this myriad of angels, all this myriad of the host of heaven. He's put his image upon you, and he desires you, and what he has for you in the future is so far beyond what you could ever imagine. Right? He wants you there. And folks, that's where we have to live. So it's one thing last week to just reset ourselves. God's on his throne. He's sovereign. Let's go a little deeper this morning. Are we in that throne room? Are we right, able to stand in the throne room and be at peace? Knowing that our God has has covered us. And folks, until I get to that place, you realize that I'm not going to be able to truly love someone, truly minister to someone, truly step into somebody's world with a healthy, life-changing gospel. Right? And so justice, without judgment, is no justice at all and no good news. And Jesus without judgment is not good news. Jesus is the perfect judge and he will bring perfect justice, right? It begins right here. Am I right with him? 
And am I willing to receive him in anyone? There's no barrier. Right? And that's the thing that blows my mind. There's no like, you know, you don't have to like have a ton of money to buy the best lawyer to step in and defend you before God. You don't have to have done certain things to get a best lawyer in there to defend you before God. You've got God's son. You've got God himself. He's just, he's waiting for you to invite him in to cover you. To step in front of you and, and, and speak of your name before his father. Remember all the incredible promises here we've already looked at? Uh, that Jesus wants to give you and pour out to you? You just got to invite him in, right? So uh, Lee and Derek and team, come on up. and um, I just want to pray for us, gang. And just we got some good time left here. And uh, just sit on this. Um, I, want, I want to drill in on the question of, of just visually, folks, putting ourselves in the throne room, the courtroom with God. And um, it should be daunting. But it also should be this inc- the most encouraging thing in the world. To know you're covered. You're welcome. You belong there. And there's no other place that we should belong and desire to belong rather than in His very presence, Right? That's good news. There is no better news than that in all of the world, right? Um, so I'm going to pray, gang, and I just ask you, if anybody's again watching or here, if you're unsure this morning, if we, we go to that throne room place, if you're unsure, that you're right with God this morning, I plead with you, reach out to Jesus. He will come in. He will cover you. He'll make you right. There's nothing better than that. That's the assurance, folks, that we're to have, right? So, Father, we just come to you, Lord. And, um, Father, let us set our eyes in now on this throne room. You invite us to join this amazing worship, this incredible experience, just to rejoice of your glory and your goodness. Father, give us eyes to see it. And Father, I I just pray there's nothing more important for us to wrestle with. Are we right with you? So Father, first I pray for those of us that have walked with you, that know you. And and Father, sometimes it's it's easy to get led astray. It's easy to get off the path, Lord, and and, uh, start living life. And really what creeps in is complaining, grumbling, and Lord, kind of a wall, kind of a a broken relation, out of communion with you, God. And Father, I just ask for any of us right now, Lord, if, if, if we've got some argument with you, if we've been grumbling, if we've been out of sorts just trying to hold on to our own ideas, if we've, Lord, may we lay them down before you right now, God. We know you love us. We know, Lord, Lord, your will is the best for us. Lord, we don't want any barrier. We want to step into that courtroom and just be at peace, to know we're covered and free, that you have the best for us, God. Oh, Lord, I just pray for those who are unsure, who are unsure, who are still holding on and trying to live life without you and to justify you away, God, and think that they can just um, set you aside. Holy Spirit, I pray you come in, Lord. Bring salvation. Bring a humility and awareness that we can't be right until, Jesus, we invite you to come in and take our judgment, to take cover our sins Lord 
And Lord, we rejoice to know that you're going to make all things new and right one day. Until then, God, your word says that you are a loving God. You desire all people to come to you. Lord, open doors, open hearts. Show us the harvest. Give us a boldness and a love, Lord, to step into people's lives with this good news, Lord. Holy Spirit, come now. Father, church is about your presence, us being in your presence and and doing deep business with you, God. Let's enjoy this place, Lord. Let us listen, have ears to hear what you're saying, Holy Spirit. And Lord, let your people come alive with your gifts and speak in, speak of you and your goodness, God. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.